Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Dirt Radio. Organic. Friends of the Earth. Activism. Underground. Political action. Necessary. Wind farms. Indigenous struggles. Land rights. Anti-nuclear. Nanotechnology. Climate change. Coal barons. Mining magnates. Activists. Educating. Communities. Transforming. Communities. Mobilising a sustainable planet. Get involved now. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Dirt Radio. Good morning and you're on Dirt Radio with Sam and... I've got a special guest in the studio today, Sean Bedler, member of WACA, fastest video activist, filmmaker in Australia, and uh, also an artist, does amazing sculpture. Welcome, Bedlam. Hi, how you going, Sam? Yeah, not bad. We both sound like we're still waking up. I am still waking up. <laughs> yeah, so um, for the listeners out there, if you didn't know, uh, Whistleblowers Activist Citizens Alliance group that both uh, Sean and I are involved in went off to Paris with the Climate Guardian Angels for the Paris Climate Talks, COP21. And, uh, of course, you know, about a week out before we left the Paris attacks happened and uh, we suddenly found ourselves rather than going to a place where hundreds of thousands of activists were going to take to the streets walking into a militarized zone post a terror attack. Uh, So I thought we'd talk about Bedlam sort of in chronological order I guess what our experience was a little bit. Uh, We are planning to have a public event later in February for anyone in our community that wants to come along and find out in detail about the lessons we learnt. But I thought we could just give 3CR listeners and uh, Dirt Radio listeners a little bit of a taste of that. So, you know, we arrived in Paris and, um, you know, there were military on the streets, police everywhere. Mm. Um... And one of our first outings was supposed to be the big rally right before the uh, COP21 started. The Uh, Sunday, yeah. The Sunday. And, uh, of course, the French government had declared a state of emergency and banned all protest on um, that day. And they'd also planned ahead and said that protests were also banned on the last day, the D12. Well, yeah, they banned protests. They didn't ban... Sporting events. No, or Christmas markets. Or Christmas markets, which we actually visited a Christmas market. We did. uh, Yeah, uh, if you're looking for a dangerous place. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Uh, yeah, so we we saw with our own eyes that the the banning was completely rubbish. Yeah. It wasn't based on anything real, that's for sure. And within days of being there, you know, uh, houses have been raided, 26 protest organisers rounded up and kept under house arrest for the yep. rest of the COP, yep. uh, reporting to police three times a day. Now, these are not criminals. These are people who are organising climate change protests, yep. uh, climate activists mm-hmm. from around the world that are gathered. So, uh, And some of them were even sent off to immigration centres to be deported. Yep. Uh, so they were stuck in basically detention uh, for daring to organise a protest about our uh, world leaders' inaction on climate change. Yeah. Well, it was all very uh, heavy-handed. And when we went to uh, Place de la République for the big first-day event Mm. where 
actually, it's quite funny. We arrived and there were thousands of shoes laid out in this huge formation, mm. and I wasn't quite aware. And I, well, I was thinking, what, have a whole lot of people died or something? What's happened? Yeah, yeah. And it was a, a demonstration or a, yeah, uh, uh, for uh, the people who couldn't be there, these were their shoes, mm. which <laughs> I actually thought, oh, my God, like people are giving up this easily. It's like you haven't been killed. Mm. You know? mm. You've just been told you can't have a protest. But so there were, a big part of the square was dominated by this huge mournful looking selection of shoes, yep. which was uh, apparently a big statement uh, about freedom of speech, which kind of blew my mind a little bit that um, people sort of bought into the um, the power of the state really quickly and, mm. you know, well, I thought anyway, but, you know, but this is one of the things that we've, um, we're, we're still picking out the fallout, through the fallout from the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of crazy. Definitely. And uh, as that day unfolded, the day before COP21, uh, the response was to have the shoes and then to create a human chain that went for blocks and blocks and blocks, uh, which was considered <clears throat> not a march because no one was moving. They were all mm. sort of standing, holding hands and banners and stuff. Uh by the time we got back to the Republic after walking down the human chain, we discovered there were some people uh, that were willing to defy the state of emergency. Mm-hmm. A whole heap of non-aligned people and anarchists had joined together mm. in the Republic when we got back there. Uh, mm. And we very quickly realised that there were hundreds of robocop riot cops whose uniforms, you know, put our police to shame in terms of militarisation. And they were starting to corner off every street that they could to sort of kettle people, keep people in the Republic Square. So, uh, you know... This was very early in the the game too, but they literally allowed maybe two hours for a public (laughs) non-protest. Then police move in in large numbers Mm -hmm. in armour. Armour, water cannons, tear gas, pepper spray, the the whole shebang. And uh, we were with the Climate Guardian Angels and we found ourselves in front of a row of riot police trying to prevent them from moving further up to kettle the protesters that wanted to march. And many of the uh, environmental activists and anarchists were chanting liberty, freedom of speech, let us march. Uh, you know, they weren't looking to be violent, in my opinion. They just wanted to get out of the Republic and march. Mm. Uh, And the response by the state was to tear gas and pepper spray and kettle for hours. It went on into the evening, as we well well know. Yes. Yeah, uh, with, you know, maybe 300, 400 people being completely uh, attacked as if they were in a war zone. Mm. And... um, You know, I think what was interesting and one of the things that we talked about, which is a problem that happens here when uh, people use different tactics, there was immediately people saying these protesters were troublemakers and so therefore they got tear gassed. Mm. Uh, We know from first-hand uh, experience of our friends who were there who went down to see what was happening. Not only were the police tear gassing the people that they kettled, but they tear gassed onlookers, people walking their dogs. Uh, there so- was at least one woman tweeting from the kettle who was swept up in the situation. Yeah, yeah, just a local person who happened to have got caught in the kettle in that space. 
Uh, so the response was to immediately have a violent crackdown mm. uh, and the predictable response from certain people on the left was, well, they're troublemakers, so therefore they deserved it. Everyone should we, have just stayed, stayed peaceful. Mm, we heard this repeatedly and realised that this was a story that was quite popular, that the people tear-gassed, assaulted, charged, charged repeatedly while they were in the kettle, uh, dragged away violently, were all something called troublemakers mm. and therefore it was completely okay to assault them, which when you're right there and you've got eyewitnesses that you're talking to yeah, and people are telling you uh, that they deserved what they got, it's a pretty amazing experience of... Yeah. Just how these stories get out there. Yeah, Chinese whispers, uh, Mm. (laughs) definitely. So, you know, after that day, we went out to La Bourget, which is the conference centre where the world leaders were meeting the next day, which was the first morning of uh, the COP21. And on the way out there, I mean, I expected to get out there and find, if not people protesting, especially after the tear gassing and assaults the night before, at least, you know, soft, friendly NGO people handing out flyers or... But nothing. The Climate Guardian Angels were the only ones there. Uh, And it was such uh, a a bizarre and surreal thing because it was like, wow, that's how effective state violence is, Mm. that not a single person dared come out besides the Climate Guardian Angels to protest the opening day of COP21. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, for the French activists, I don't blame them. There were snipers on the hills. You know, we could see them from where we were. Uh, This was, you know, a very heavy militarised operation uh, and they did what they did, I believe, on the Sunday to ensure that nobody showed up on the Monday, the opening day of the COP. Uh, And it was also a red zone, which meant if you got arrested there under the state of emergency, uh, you could be locked up for, you know, three months. So these were very serious measures brought in on the back of... um, uh, the terror attacks, which, you know, very similar to, uh, again, what happened after 9-11 in America, the Patriot mm. Act. Uh, this is the way that uh, supposed democracies use scenarios to crack down mm. on people. Well, and as we know, yeah, again, uh, the measures were used against political gatherings, not against sport or commercial yeah, gatherings. consumerism. and tells you yeah, the evidence is right there. It's exactly. Rubbish. It's total rubbish. Exactly. So um, then then just to sort of fast forward, because we only have a half an hour show, unfortunately, um, we participated in an uh, action uh, which was a corporate expo, similar, I guess, if you're listening in Melbourne, it would be at Jeff Shedd or the Convention Centre, uh, where all of the corporate bastards that have bought their way into the COP21 as, as sponsors, mm. including Engie, which is responsible used to be GDF, so it was responsible for the Hazelwood fire and uh, the absolute, you know, uh, dire health impacts on the Morwell community and the Latrobe Valley in general. Uh, we're a major sponsor. You know, they couldn't pay the Australian government uh, $18 million, but they spent $240 million to buy their way in as a corporate sponsor and access to delegates at the COP21 to try and stop uh, emission reduction targets being on the table. So we decided uh, that we would join a whole heap of activists from around the world and go and shut down this corporate expo, uh, which they were calling COP21 Solutions, and we were calling Fake Solutions. Mm 
Uh, and this to me was one of the most spectacular things that uh, we were involved in while we were there because of how effective and how uh, smoothly in, in all of the chaos it worked. What do you think made that action so great? Uh, one was the total lack of fear on the part of organisers and activists and this wasn't just a small group of yeah maniacs and fanatics. Uh, <laughs> we arrived at Le- at uh, Grand Palais and the queue was monstrous. Mm. Uh, like 800 uh, people easy. Oh, way more yeah. than that, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and... And they're all activists. And they're all activists. (laughs) You could just tell. People were just slightly a little bit too focused. Yeah. They were just a little bit, yeah, a little bit too focused, a little bit too relaxed at the same time. Just a lot of people who were very happy to be where they were. Um, Standing in a queue for hours, being body searched or rejected from entering a public exposition. Yeah. So it was a huge number of people who were ready to go in and, and disrupt, even with all of the the emergency powers and knowing how it could end, including tear gas and every other kind of assault. Uh, But these people were all there and uh, were able to, well, I mean, you're probably better placed to describe what happened inside in terms of what, you know, what, what that sort of mm. model is for, mm. uh, for acting. Yeah, and, and Sean got dragged out early actually because you were filming so they were trying to get as mm. much of the citizenry media out of the building as they could. Mm. It was swarming with undercover police. Like I'd never seen so many undercover police in one place. Uh, and as soon as we started these toxic tours, these undercover police came out of nowhere and started grabbing people who were talking about what these companies are doing in a very polite and mm. open way. Did we explain what the toxic tours? Well, the toxic tours was the idea to go around to each of the stalls and explain how these companies are impacting communities and what they're actually doing, that these are fake solutions. They're not interested in renewable energy uh, they're running dirty fossil fuel and fracking companies. Uh, so I spoke at NG um, to speak out about what, what happened to the Morwell community and a woman from Dakota uh, spoke out the front of Suez uh, in an attempt to expose mm. the fracking uh, going on in her part of the world. And these were significant <clears throat> uh, 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 presentations. Correct. They didn't go for one or two minutes. No. I videoed them uh, I got two, two of them in a row and it added up to about 10 minutes of continuous talking yep. uh, yeah, on point, you yep. know, yep. Uh, on the point. And uh, with, and yeah, undercover cops materialised from everywhere, but, but so did so much media. Yeah. It was unbelievable. I was, <laughs> I was kneeling at your feet because that was the only place I could get to yeah. to video you doing your thing. And I was actually worried about being sort of crushed. Yeah. There was so much media. Yeah. You know, so it was pretty intimidating actually when it, it when was. It was wild, <laughs> you know. But yeah. But uh worked out uh very well. Yeah. Um in in that two of these presentations actually were carried off, which was two more than I thought would Correct. be even be able to be carried you know, yeah carried out. Yeah. And there were two groups. There was an English speaking group and a French group. The French group of course got targeted immediately. I mm. uh, don't think they got one of no. their speeches out. Yeah. Uh, police attempted, uh, undercover cops ad- ad- attempted to kettle them within the exposition, uh, expo yeah. centre, which was kind of crazy because the yeah. things they were using to kettle them were on wheels, so they just kept moving. And anyway, it was um, what I loved about it was the fact that um, 
as soon as people started getting dragged out by undercover police, everybody that was in their little affinity group acted exactly as they should and took on responsibility for creating as much chaos and disruption as they could Mm. in a really polite and on-point way. And there's some great videos out there that just show every person getting dragged out. No one is screaming. People are saying why they were there, why it's important to resist this kind of corporatization. Um, and I do believe there was some renegades in there who put some stink bombs amongst all the panelling for the stalls so that they couldn't be used again. Mm. And then when we came outside, there was a person, of course, up the light uh, pole out the front of the exhibition centre, and that went on again for quite a while to try well, and... Well, dropped a banner from a... Yeah, yeah, he dropped that, the yeah, banner, yeah. 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 And then, of course, they had to bring in the rescue team and there was hundreds of activists there supporting. Um, it was quite funny, the police pepper, pepper sprayed mainly other police at one point. Uh, they also attacked the media. They kettled the media. Uh, once the activists had been cleared, all the activists, yeah, the thousands of activists that were there decided mm. it's time to go because we realised we were about to be kettled mm. uh, media were last to go then they were kettled into mostly independent media yeah. and were savagely uh sprayed in a very methodical way as it was described to me they got into all of the nooks and crannies yeah. like they were painting people and they also attempted <laughs> to take people's uh cards out of their cameras and things yeah. like that so well, one person um described the a knife going through, attempting to go through a camera strap yep. to get a camera, yeah, a policeman using a knife to, to take a camera from a journalist. So yep. they went hard after yeah, uh, media um, after we left, uh, which we didn't hear about until several hours later because yeah. to all intents and purposes we escaped. Yeah, exactly. Ha- having disrupted it completely, that event, the president Yep, of France was supposed to be there yep. that evening. That was all cancelled. Yeah, and so, the next day the building would have stunk. So yeah, yeah. So that the event was. You know, these people have paid for this you know, huge amount of sponsorship. Then again, I suppose it's not the real event, is it? The real point no. of sponsorship is to corrupt the whole process. Exactly, which it seems they did a pretty good job of. Mm. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be back talking more about our Paris adventures at the COP twenty one. You're on Dirt Radio with Sam.
time to roll your sleeves up and get your hands dirty with Friends of the Earth. Dirt Radio. That's right, you're on Dirt Radio. That was ACDC, Shot Down in Flames, and Sean has been sitting here laughing because that's so not my music, but it's quite appropriate for what we're about to discuss. Yeah, Shot He doesn't down think flames. I'm a rocker. Okay, I'm not. I, I, you know, I did the analogue digital transfer and, you know, never looked back. But anyway... Back to business. We're talking about our time in Paris at the COP21. I'm sorry. This is when you need a video stream to have a look at the the look on Sean's face. Hmm. Uh, So we were talking about, uh, you know, highlights and and things that we sort of pulled out that we thought were sort of interesting. Then the the next thing I want to talk about was on the second last day of the COP21, we tried to go out to the conference centre with a bunch of American uh, activists. Mm. And the purpose of that was sort of an affinity group coming together uh, and we wanted to go out and, um, well, we had, the angels were officially going out to the public area to do a photo shoot with some Greens people and then we were going to kind of peel off and go and do this disruption uh, near the Australian flag, which, you know, they had all these totem poles set up with all the country's flags and the Americans and and us were going to go and do this sort of uh, cross-action trying to draw attention to oil and war and belligerence around um, this alliance and our governments. Mm. Uh, But we didn't get very far. We... We got off the train to get on the shuttle bus to go to La Bourget. And as the bus pulled out, a bunch of police showed up and banged on it and it turned and came Mm. back and we all got dragged off. Passports confiscated, no information given to us. Mm. Um, So talk us through what happened after that because, again, let's remember we are law-abiding citizens who hadn't done anything other than get on a shuttle bus to go to a public space. And this preemptive policing, you know, uh, around activism was very, very clear that day to us. Yeah, well, we had teamed up with a, a bunch of people from the USA and we teamed up with them largely, I think, because of the huge and awesome uh, squats, mm-hmm. uh, including including uh, one that was a, an art squat, really, a big, huge yeah, space yeah. for... Jardine to Alice. Yeah, for uh, making banners and for, for people to meet. So through that, I think we, uh, we met... Um, uh, these uh, American people from across the states, and so we well, we just liked each other, didn't we? Yep. And decided we we're going to do something together. Yep. So we decided to go out to Le Bourget. Uh, yeah, we the shuttle bus left the car car park, went out into the street, and, went, and, then, <laughs> and then went straight back into the car park. Uh-huh. Doors opened, and we're all taken off. Uh, pretty much all. Um, there were a handful of people were allowed to continue. They for missed a couple, yeah, whatever reason. Uh, and uh, yeah, our passports were checked. Our, they went through our bags. Interestingly, I had a whole bunch of cable ties all doubled up together to turn them into special handcuffs for our action. And <laughs> the copper just looked at it and just put it back in my bag without any recognition of what he was looking at, which was. Funny, funny because he had cable ties on his own back. Right, <laughs> so. yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, we weren't going to handcuff random people out there. <laughs> we, we were going to tie ourselves together around a thing. Uh, but anyway, yeah, and uh, so we were there for a while, had enough time for activists to talk to each other about what was going on, and then suddenly we were all um, being put onto small buses. Body searched, frisked. Frisked. Uh, most of the men were handcuffed, uh and they gave us a rough ride to the police station, about a 10-minute, very fast, high-speed 
sirens flashing, yeah, cars the, being run off the road. Yeah, it was like being in a police chase. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, and we yeah, taken to a police station, kept in a car park mm. underneath the police station for a little while. It wouldn't have been that long, I don't think, there. Half an hour. Maybe an hour, yeah. Maybe an hour. Uh, we were processed one at a time, which was an incomprehensible sort of process. No one really spoke to us or answered any sort of real questions. We never knew why we'd been arrested. We'd yeah. just been told that they had the right to do it under the state of emergency. Mm. They never pro- provided translators. They didn't explain mm. why we had to uh, provide details of who we were. Mm. Uh, you know, it was it was quite a crazy and scary process in terms of how easily the state can kind of just pick people up and disappear them, really. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, yeah. Well, we didn't know if, well, yeah, if we were going to be there for hours, a day, days, mm. weeks. Yeah, deported, put in detention centres. It just there's there's a real sense that it, you know anything can happen, particularly mm. because of those um, yeah the raids that had happened uh, very yeah. Yep. At the start of, uh, before the start of uh, COP21. So, so it was an interesting experience. So we're, we're running out of time. We've got about four minutes. So yeah. actually, no, two minutes, which is not going to do justice <clears throat> to the final day. Mm. So uh, I think that maybe if you're interested in finding out what happened on the final day, which was the really big day where yeah. the Climate Guardian Angels led 20,000 people uh, to break the state of emergency onto the streets of Paris and to a sit-in on the bridge opposite the Eiffel Tower. Uh, there's quite a twist to that story in Big the way it, <laughs> in the way it unfolded. We wanted to stay. Other people wanted us to leave. And the whole thing kind of got uh, derailed. And it's a really valuable lesson in terms of organising. Um, but we might save that to share with people at our public event uh, later in February mm. uh, because that's, I think, where we learnt the most lessons uh, yeah. in terms of organising on the streets and how affinity groups should work together. Um, but just in wrap-up, I mean, you did such a prolific amount of videoing and mm. uh, filmmaking while we were there. You were amazing. That's my thing, <laughs> Australia's fastest activist video maker. That's, that's my, my number one skill. Yeah. They, <laughs> well, you know, and I, I think in that respect you're also on the street as an activist and, uh, you know, it would have been impossible for me to do the things that I was doing without you being there and being able to sort of bounce off you what was going on. I guess the thing that I want to ask you as a final question is how did you find living and working with so many women? And you've got kind of one minute to answer that. Oh, I, was, <laughs> I was completely fine. Yeah. Um, the, the real question is how did I feel about living with the large number of people? Yeah, right. Okay, so it wasn't the gender. It was just how many of us were squeezed into one apartment. Yeah, um, I don't think humans are built for that. It was pretty. It was pretty intense. Sean Bedlam, thank you for coming in. If you are interested in coming to our event later in February, please get on Facebook and follow Whistleblowers Activists and Citizens Alliance page. We will put some information up, uh, and I'm going to th- stick with the rock theme just because Sean likes to laugh at the fact that I'm not into rock. So we're going to go out with a Rolling Stones number because I couldn't find any David Bowie. I uh, hope you have a great day. We'll be back next week. And thanks for listening. See you, Sean. See ya. <laughs> Ciao.